welcome to CareerPod. I'm Fred Studley. I'm your host for a discussion with Jeff Angus, an experienced CIO or Chief Information Officer. Jeff is uh, going to talk about his career, the importance of listening to your internal customers, and the emerging importance of cybersecurity. He reflects on his successful management techniques that he's used throughout his career. So please enjoy our discussion. Thank you. Okay, Jeff Angus, uh, welcome to CareerPod. Thank you, Fred. Good to have you here. So, Jeff, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, You had a long career in IT and uh, information technology. You've had roles as a COO in a company. Uh, So uh, let's start in the beginning, possibly, in terms of your early life and education. Uh, A little bit about that would be helpful. Okay. All right. Well, um, from the standpoint of my early life and career goals in the education, uh, I went to public schools here in Rhode Island, and I got a a very good education, I believe. And then early in my teens, um, I really fell in love with law enforcement and wanted to wanted to pursue a career in in law enforcement. So throughout high school and into my early years in college, uh, worked with local police departments in preparation for that. So I actually entered entered college on a, at the time they didn't have criminal justice, but it was a sociology major and working towards a uh, a degree that would suit me well in law enforcement. As it turns out, and as the roads that we take, we take have a tendency to take twists and turns, Physically, I was, wasn't able to uh, apply to the Rhode Island State Police. I actually applied, but because I had um, corrective lenses, I wore glasses, they didn't accept corrective lenses. So I found myself in college with a, with a kind of off my career road, the um, goal that I had focused on and um, said, okay, now what am I going to do? So for a period of time, I was kind of in limbo, limbo in that liberal arts thing. And I, I had a, um, an exposure in college at a sociology class um, using some computers. And it really fascinated me. And one thing led to another, and I said, hey, how about IT? And I talked to a family member who worked for IBM and got some advice from that family member. And one thing led to another, and I ended up actually leaving college and leaving the law enforcement path. And um, through some self-initiative and some phone calls that I made to a local bank here in Providence, a large bank, um, was able to get an interview with the CIO of the bank. And he, he arranged for me to take a logic test. One thing led to another, and he um, it turned out to be a very early mentor in my career. Um, I got my first job in IT in 1979, loading green bar paper into large printers in the, in the <laughs> four to midnight shift of this very, very large bank. So within 24 months, I went from focusing on getting on the state police and eventually, hopefully, to the FBI to uh, a career in IT that started with um, this very, very uh, entry-level position. Right. right. Yeah. Well, that, that's interesting. Uh, you know, normally would ask you what, what specialized, uh, you know, skills and training did you need to enter this profession? But right. in your case, you needed to be able to carry 20 pounds that's right. of uh, I needed paper. To, I needed to open a box and be able to feed this in and take some direction. That, along with the fact that this logic test that he had given me right. was an indication to them that I learned later on, was an indication to them that I had the kind of 
critical thinking necessary right. to go to programming school, which I eventually did at this bank. Okay. I went to programming school, and that really catapulted me off into my IT career. Okay. And yeah. in, in by title, what were the first couple of jobs you had uh, in IT? Were you a programmer, per se? First job, well, first job was this computer operator job. Yep. Um, and then uh, after a year and a half of doing that job, I applied for a program called PACE, which was an internal training um, school, I guess you would call it, for that particular bank and all the technologies associated with that bank. And what they did was they picked recent college graduates, but they left a couple of seats for internal candidates. And there were a lot of internal candidates that applied, but I was lucky enough to get accepted and went to that school for eight months and graduated as a programmer. Okay. So uh, in sometime in late 1980, came out as a programmer and that really started my career there Good. in IT. And what was your first uh, supervisory job in IT? Uh, my first supervisory job was some years later with the same bank. Um, I began progressing um, up in, into different levels within within the applications development group, we called it, which was programming. Uh, I was assigned to the trust division. I worked on the very first ATM deployments here in Rhode Island in the early 80s. Um, and then took, became more and more enamored with and fell in love with the deeper technology below the programming level, which was really the systems, the IBM mainframe systems. So I applied for a job in uh, technical services, which was the, the premier high-tech, you know, um, role within the, within the banks. And it was, once I was in tech services, I was assigned a team and became a team leader. So my first real role in supervising was supervising two or three other junior tech services people. Okay. Um, and I was at tech services. And how long were you at the bank? Uh, I was at the bank for about nine years. Okay. And, um, yeah, left the bank, um, to seek an opportunity with, a with a company called Zare Corporation, which, yep. uh, which later became TJX, but I joined it when it was there, and I was one of their subsidiaries, um, a women's apparel clothing, a large women's apparel clothing company that was owned by Zare. And I went in as the, first, that was my first management role. I went in as the tech services manager for that group, okay. for that company. Good, good. Uh, moving along in your career, uh, uh, when did you start to get into uh, management of some scale in terms of numbers of people and broader based responsibility. Yeah, so with um, there was another division which so Zare becomes TJX. TJX has a number of divisions. I moved from the one I was working in to another larger uh, division called Jowix of Boston, which is a woman's apparel um, direct marketing firm right. uh, uh, company. And um, I ultimately took on the role as the director of IT for that organization. So some 45 people, uh, a subsidiary of TJX. Um, so I, you know, had took on the role of supervising those 45 people at Chadwick's, but also had a connection to the corporate offices in Framingham where I would represent Chadwick's and the, and the needs and technology. So that really, that really was, my most, at the time, my most senior level uh, role, but I look back on that now, and that director level role is really what began to solidify my my feeling that I, I really wanted to go into this senior and then eventually executive level of IT. It's yeah. probably, uh, did you develop some of your uh, management style at that 
uh, environment, or, or was that already developed by then? Or yeah, I think I, I look back on it now, and back with that earlier bank when I got that first team team role. Um, you know, I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I do this? Because it's interesting when you get that first when you get that first. Um, responsibility as being a manager, oftentimes you're managing friends. <laughs> the people right. that you had were friends, and now all of a sudden you're, you're directing them. So I think all of those steps along the way really contributed to ultimately hone, me honing and sharpening the skills that I ultimately utilized when I made it into the, the, you know, the executive group in the executive area. Right. That and the fact that I've always loved technology, and I've always prided myself with the fact that I can sit in a cubicle or into a conference room with a group of developers and I can, you know, I, I, I'm not the guy that's configuring things and programming things anymore, but I can understand what's going on. Okay. So I could be in the morning in, the, in those sessions, you know, I could sit with the executive group and I can, I can do a presentation to the board of directors all in one day and feel comfortable in all those elements. And, and that's really what I enjoy about the role that I have. In, in your non-technical uh, part of the job, uh, what has your management style evolved to? Ultimately, I think it's 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 an inherent part of my personality. I, I enjoy people. I you know like Will Rogers. I don't think I've ever met anybody I didn't like. I kind of go into these work situations um, developing relationships, and that that has proven to be very, um, I've, I've been very successful like that. Now, that's not without some issues. I mean, at times you can be taken advantage of or it doesn't work for someone. I find that people have often said about me that I'm approachable, that I'm a fairly good listener, and that I'm open to others' ideas. And I think if you, if you are like that with your, especially your subordinates, um, you can get some real positive work going. You can you can really get some some really good stuff going, especially in the IT space. So I'm not sure I answered your question, but yeah. it's it's that's kind of the way I approach it. It's right. maybe adaptive. You, yeah. you threw that out. Maybe that's kind of the way it is. But um, yeah, I think uh, you did answer the question, and it's all about credibility as a manager, as a supervisor, and by you reaching out to people and building some relationships. And as a natural course of doing that, you're, you're learning what the developer is working on or whatever, and to the extent you can, you can talk their language, you certainly understand their problems. And that builds great credibility. And I think at the end of the day, that's uh, probably one of the more important things. You mentioned a mentor before at the bank, and uh, have you had a couple mentors along the way? Uh, can you speak to one? Uh, sure. that, really is most important. The gentleman that I mentioned that gave me my start, um, Ken, he, uh, he was an early mentor, but when I went into the bank and was working second shift, putting the green bar paper, he was the CIO. So he and I had very little interaction other than the fact that he gave me that start. But there's one in particular, there's one in particular, um, Bob Murray gave me my first really senior executive role in, in um, IT in a large public company, international public company. Um, I was brought into the company to assist the sitting CIO. A number of things happened. The CEO and the sitting CIO left the company. All of a sudden, Bob Murray's the new CEO. He reaches down into the organization and he asks me to take on this role. So 
Um, I was thrilled. I was a bit, to be quite honest, so a little overwhelmed at the very beginning. He had a lot of faith in me, and he is not. He he was not an IT guy, technology guy. He was a crackerjack business guy, real good marketing guy. Um, but I learned really quickly from him and a couple of the colleagues that I had in that executive suite how to conduct myself, how to deal with, how to interact with the board, how to interact with my colleagues and at various management levels, and. You know, it took a little bit of time for me to get my footing, but I was with that company for 10 years. I had a large IT organization, 250 people in four countries. You know, we had a lot of moving parts. We did a lot of really good things in the early days of web, web um, internet and e-commerce and so forth. So uh, Bob is probably the one that when I look back on my, you know, almost 40 year career, uh, Bob stands out because he took me under his wing and he helped me to really polish that executive. Yeah, and you mentioned some of the things he did. Did you seek him out? A lot of people who are listening to this is they hear a lot about mentoring and how do you establish a mentoring relationship? Sometimes it comes to you, sometimes right. you have to seek it out. Mm -hmm. When you were facing a challenge, did you feel comfortable going to him Absolutely. Uh, yes, with I the did, questions yeah. and so forth? And it started quite honestly with him seeking me out and offering me this position and then offering in a gracious way, you know, I'm gonna, I want to help you to be successful, so let's do this together. And I did, well, I was very, very comfortable going to him and asking his advice or guidance on something, or if we were in a situation and he asked me a question I didn't know the answer to, of being able to say to him, Bob, you know what, I really, I'm not sure of the answer to that, but you know what, I know where to go to find that answer and I'll get it, and he was totally fine with that. And so. Um, later on in my career, after NEBS, I was in a couple of situations where this, the, the CEO of the company was not quite as astute around human interaction and leadership more than, um, you know, some, some, some executives will focus more on management than on leadership. And like everything in life, it's a balance. Right. And um, Bob certainly had that balance. Good. Yeah. Now, in turn, have you mentored others, and what style do you have, and, and do you tend to seek out some subordinates or even a skip uh, yeah. a place in the organization where you see a person that uh, deserves or needs mentoring? Do you seek them out, or is it? I, I have I have seeked them out because I've looked at the, the the opportunity that I was given, and I said, you know what, that's you know, there's. I want to, it's my nature to want to help people anyway, but I want to be able to make a difference and help someone take that next step up. Because sometimes taking that next step is, is, is very difficult to do. Oh, that's great. Let's shift focus a little bit. Uh, just what do you do as a CIO? What do I do? So um, it's, it's, it's actually a little bit difficult to explain, but at the bottom line, what I do is my main role my main role, and the main role, quite honestly, in my opinion, the main role of any CIO is to learn and understand the business. You know, learn and understand the business. Because what we're doing is we're applying technology to a business. We have a business that requires technology, not technology that we're trying to find a business for. So we gotta make sure that we're, we're always going, we being IT, and I say this to my folks a lot, we are always going to be the bridesmaid at this wedding, and we have to be happy about that. That's our role. So my role as the CIO is to, is to really understand the business, understand my colleagues who are at the executive level, 
And what are the business needs and what are the business issues and how can I rally my troops and get align my folks with their expertise so that we can apply the right technological solutions at the right cost at the right time to empower them for what they need to do. So that's my role. That's right. my role. And that role served you as an outside consultant also. You were doing did. pretty much the same thing. It did. Uh, and, you know, currently we call that solutions providers. That's right. But it's, it's the right focus, obviously. Yeah. Uh, how about the... Uh, how you expressed earlier, how do you feel about doing your work when you, you go to work every day? Yeah, I, love, I, I absolutely love the job I have. I love the, um, the company. It's terrific. I work with a great group of people. I have responsibility for a lot of stuff, but I insert myself into a yeah. lot of areas, which yeah. is, so I go, I go out and seek it, you know. And well, they actually, if I can interject, yeah. they call that, it's a management theory, they call it management by wandering. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a, a good way of both staying in everybody's loop, being visible, right. being accessible, and uh, so that that served you well, I'm sure. Yeah. How about the the frustrations in the job? The, you know the there's a lot of churn in the requirements and the needs of the business. Just when you think that you got you got it nailed. There's a strategic change, which in our business is driven by outside markets like the oil industry and so forth, which we have to respond to. So I've, I can mentally and intellectually understand why there's churn and why there's stuff happening. Internally, a little frustrating. I don't have as large an IT organization as I once did. And so um, the maneuvering and the uh, positioning takes a little bit more when you've um, committed to a certain path, if you will. Right. Now, you made several career changes in your life, uh, you, both from company to company uh, and then into a consulting path. Mm -hmm. When you think it's time to make a change, and it may be people, it may be process, what they're doing, it's yeah. not challenging yeah. or whatever, mm -hmm. or maybe just a door opens <clears throat> and uh, so forth. So what what... What would be your advice to people in terms of what criteria you've used when you've looked at a job change? Well, in my in my experience, Fred, it's been all of what you just said. So I've had an opportunity presented to me, which made which when I accepted it, moved me into my first management role. Um, I've had changes occur within a company that. I chose to, myself and others, chose to leave because the situation was no longer something that was going to be productive and enjoyable or whatever, and then went looking for change. Um, and then later in my career, quite honestly, I, I made a change. Um, in a, in a, I was with a, uh, a local company, very, very senior role, and just had, just disagreed with the, with the way in which the company was not again, not led because I don't think leadership is the right word. It was overly managed and the way people were treated. And I, I made a decision that, you know what, this isn't for me. That's how I entered, as you know, that's how I entered into a brief stint as a, as a consultant. So um, that's kind of the, what, that's how my career has evolved. If I was to give anyone advice, I would say, be open to all of those things, you know, be, if, keep your network warm. So you, by your network being warm, your outside colleagues, your, your friends and, and business, uh, perhaps previous business associates, um, 
opportunities do have a tendency to percolate up and to become you become more aware of them. So there's that. The other thing is just watching what's going on in the company, you know, um, and and trying to have some, trying to be able to predict how is this going to play out. Wow, do I like this strategy or do I, this person is that going to change my world? And is that really what I want to do, you know, in my career? So I think one needs to be really kind of aware of all of this stuff, okay. you know, and there is no one single thing. You need to, you need to be, you just be, be aware of it. And, okay. Yeah. How about, uh, you know, you've seen emerging technologies, mm-hmm. you know, one after the other in your, in your yeah. field. Yeah. And again, where focus is on career, how did it change your job, uh, you know, heading up groups of people? Yeah. Uh, any major changes you could? Well, a couple, pre- yeah, a couple of ways. So I started in 1979. So from 1979 to 2018, everybody knows what the changes are. You know, who would have thought 1979 would be carrying phones in our pockets that were more powerful than this than the entire computer room of a, of the bank that I started at? One of the things when I look at it from a human standpoint, in the early years of my career, we used to have to go fight people to adopt technology. You know, the first assignment I got out of that programming school was in the trust department, trust operations. And I can still remember going to trust operations where, I kid you not, some folks were wearing eye shades and and stuff on, you know, garters on their sleeves because they had been doing that job since the 40s. And they were going through index cards and that's how they handled name and address changes and changes to complex trusts and everything else were all handled on typewriters. So we were implementing COBOL programs that would do stuff. I mean, it was a real interest, interesting study to to figure out how how ways in which we could get these people to adopt. So heavy resistance, heavy Heavy resistance. resistance. Today, just the opposite. IT can't keep up with most companies, you know, so. You've mentioned (laughs) cyber security a couple times, that whole area. Why don't you talk to me a little bit about uh, how you got involved in that and, you know, maybe a bulleted kind of outline of the challenges to an IT department because mm-hmm. of all the threats that you're facing. Well, you can't be a CIO, no matter what business you're in, no matter what, you know, vertical, what company you're in, you can't be a CIO these days and not have a foot in the cybersecurity space. You just can't do it. So it's really more than cybersecurity. Uh, as a matter of fact, just two weeks ago, I did a presentation at our board uh, for our board uh, and presented a new policy on information and cybersecurity. In the old days, it used to be just information security, InfoSec. Um, so it's really a broad, broad topic of conversation. And these days, CIOs really need to be well-versed in it. Not well-versed to the standpoint that they're experts, they're white, white hat hackers or any of that stuff, but um, just be aware of what the exposures are to companies because every company is exposed to this. Now, for me personally, in this particular assignment, um, I work for a public company, and this public company has a very high-tech, a number of high-tech products, some of which is sold to the uh, to the U.S. government. So, as a uh, vendor or a contractor, um, you know, we need to adhere to that. Um, that coupled with the fact that our products that are not sold to the government um, are very advanced insulation-type products. And we're very protective of the intellectual property right. and the investment of science and technology and resources that it's taken to get to that level. 
And there are a number of very hostile foreign actors that would like to have access, free access to our intellectual property. So, you know, my responsibility is is maintaining the walls around that and maintaining the detection and the and the uh, protection of that and the countermeasures and reporting and all of that stuff. So, um, fascinating. And perhaps when I think about it, maybe it, maybe it ties back to my my first love of law enforcement. Maybe. Right because I work with law enforcement these days on some really fascinating, interesting things. Well, uh, okay, if you look uh, uh, back on your career, and it's, it's a long career, rich career, still going on, uh, any, any things you would have done differently? Well, I think, I think yeah, there's, there's a, at least one company that I would have avoided, you know? Yeah. Taking the role and being there for a couple of years I'm sure it's added to my to my skills as well. You know what I mean? It's added to me, even though at the time it felt like it was subtracting. You were able early in your career uh, building a good reputation within the bank. Uh, you know, made you probably more visible. You were a hard worker, and someone saw the potential in you, and and yeah. so you could have started early instead of starting on first base. Yeah. With your schooling, you right. could have been on third base, but you can't figure those things out in advance. Right. Many many people are going to have, especially in their next generation. Uh, we may have had together maybe uh, five jobs apiece, right. uh, and in the next generation will probably have maybe fifteen jobs, That's but right. three different careers. That's right. So that kind of flexibility. Uh, that you've shown a couple times in your, your career mm -hmm. is something that's really going to benefit a lot of the people listening to this, mm -hmm. being flexible about that. So this is a question about luck, good luck and bad luck. And sometimes our careers have a sprinkling of this in it. It, it has nothing to do with planning or LinkedIn you know, profiles. It has to do with uh, good fortune and, and challenge. So how about bad luck? Have you had any bad luck? I'm more I'm more of the other side of you know preparing and when opportunities present themselves you make your own luck that sort sure. of thing. Now that's not to say that I haven't had help along the way and good fortune, which I think is a little bit different than than bad luck uh, than than luck. Um, have I had any bad luck or have any misfortune? Geez, you know I sit here as a, I sit here as a pretty lucky guy I guess because when I think of you know mis, you know wrong turns or bad luck. Um, you know, I'm certainly, I have, maybe I have, but maybe I just view it differently or something. Um, I'm certainly, I'm certain at the time it felt like bad luck. Geez, why is this happening to me or whatever, you know? Um, but on the other, I always come, I always find that if we can keep our heads and kind of be grown up about some of these things, we end up coming out of it a lot better off, you know what I mean? Uh, I think some of the most, the best things I've learned in my life have been through periods of time when I thought I was going through a string of bad luck or, you know, right. geez, this happened. And I look back on it and say, man, that wasn't so, that yeah. wasn't really a bad, that's how it got me here, you know, that sort of thing. So maybe it's because I'm an old guy now and I can look back on this with a little more clarity. Well, a couple of points. One, perspective is important and sure. you get it oftentimes not before, but after events take place, right. and you can put them in that more positive uh, perspective. Yeah. So Bill Gates went to a conference, and he just bumped into Warren Buffett in a courtyard. 
and they started to have a discussion. Both of them chose to go to that conference. That's right. But the luck part of it, the happenstance, was they bumped into each other when they had time in a courtyard, yeah. and that led to their current, you know, uh, very close relationship. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in a certain amount of um, synchronicity that happens in our lives. Right. Um, I, I, I honestly believe that. So when I look back, have I had a number of things that I was lucky that the you know the stars aligned and and I was able to cross paths or get this opportunity or learn something at the right time. I have countless examples of right. that. Oh, right. just it, it, you know I, again at the time it's not always clear when your nose is pressed up against it, but when you you look back on it and they say, wow, yeah. it was a whole series of events that got me there. I was really yeah. lucky to be in that space to meet the right person. You're op you've been opportunistic. Yeah, you've been available. Yeah, for things to happen, and, and many people that listen to this, that's will, they'll they'll go through job loss. Yeah, and out of job loss, certainly there's pain. Yeah, and there's challenge, but sometimes there are great opportunities. Yeah, so on the other side, it's true. Talking about you know one lesson that you'd kind of succinctly leave us with that uh, you'd offer to others, in as a sitting CIO or on their way to leading an IT organization, is to is to is stay focused on the two major aspects. There's multiple aspects of doing this job correctly, but stay focused on the human aspect and making the human connection that we all, that sometimes gets missed in business, whether it's with our colleagues, whether it's subordinates or people that we work for. So I, I, what I have always recommended is to strive to make that human connection. The other thing is, as a successful CIO in business, keep in mind that the business comes first and keep your ear to the ground, understand what the business needs are, translate those business needs into you using technology. Don't allow yourself to do the opposite. So focus on the business and, and make that human connection. And if you're a good technologist, it'll all come together. Okay. And just very lastly, uh, just a, a, a question here, if you had to look back at your career, or currently look at it, how would you rate it on a scale of 1 to 10? Oh, I would, I would rate it very high. I mean, I, I, on a number of levels, um, I've, had a, I've had a fair amount of success. I've had some very, I've had good success, um, not to minimize it. Um, and I've had a very rewarding career from the standpoint of what I have been able to learn and contribute and so forth. Um, and it's provided me the opportunity to uh, raise a family and provide for them and so forth. So I, I would give my career a pretty high level nine. You know, I'd be up in the nine, eight point seven six nine range, you know. But I'm the eternal optimist, so, you know. Well, you portrayed yourself as that optimist. Uh, you, you've, uh, you carry with you a great reputation as a leader. Uh, and I, I think you differentiate throughout our discussion the difference between managing and leading, right. and uh, you, you've had a history of being a, a great leader and uh, with high credibility to your work. So I want to thank you thank for your you. time and, and uh, your input and your insight into your career. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Fred. I enjoyed it.